The first scripture reading is from Isaiah, chapter 58, verses 1 through 12. Shout out, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in the sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the wrongs, thongs, excuse me, of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall, shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness, and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. A word of God that is still speaking. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, we tend to think about Lent generally and Ash Wednesday particularly as times for rituals of penitence, of being sorry and doing stuff to reverse God's negative view of us mere humans. But Isaiah 58 really scorns those rituals of penitence and the tradition of Ash Wednesday as kicking off a season of deep personal reflection, even spiritual, what we used to call it in the 60s and the 70s, navel-gazing. <laughs> Ash Wednesday is usually seen as our time for bowed heads and renewed dedication to spiritual growth, humble prayers to God, 
Isaiah 58 challenges our Ash Wednesday tradition and instead invites us, incites us to abandon our fasts and our prayers and to set down the ashes and the oil and to go out, feed the hungry, and to challenge the chains of injustice and to provide shelter for wanderers and to repair relationships with loved ones and not so loved ones. Imagine if we were to heed God's instructions given here in Isaiah. Imagine what a different kind of Ash Wednesday tradition we would have. On this weird Ashentine's Day, if we took the text to heart, we would likely be giving out more candy hearts and valentines, or better yet, we would be giving out vouchers for food, for clothing, for housing, valentine notes for giving debts of one kind or another. What a different kind of Ash Wednesday it would be. So in Isaiah 58, the people are wondering why they've been living this kind of sackcloth and ashes existence when considering themselves as mere mortals before God, just waiting for the bells to toll. The prophet records them saying, why have we fasted and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed, O God? Reverend Dr. Rachel Hackenberg, now an administrator with Pilgrim Press, wondered about the same kinds of things. Reflecting on it, she wrote, and God, like a classic breakup speech, replies, oh, really, it's, it's, it's not you, it's me. God, through the prophets, leaves generation after generation with the dark notion that they have to keep working to redeem themselves before God, or minimally, that they need to, need to do things to appease the anger of God while setting themselves back on a godly path. And so Isaiah 58 sort of disrupts what we might be thinking is going on this Valentine's Day, this Ash Wednesday, this Ashentine Day. God says essentially that we have, we have attempted to woo God with awesomely beautiful worship, words of adoration and love. And God says, I did appreciate all of that. Really, I did. And maybe it was just something within my little God heart. But as I watched your worship and smelled the sweet scents of your sacrifice and heard the amazing music and smelled the sweet scents of your sacrifice and basked in the poetry of your liturgy, while I took all of this as making your love for me, I looked at the rest of your lives. I looked at the rest of your lives. I watched you abusing your workers, saw you dismiss members of your own family and tribe who came to you in need. I saw your injustices. And well, I know it was probably just me, but your worship sort of nauseated me. I paraphrase. <laughs> We learn that Ash Wednesday begins a season of self-sacrifice, fasting, not eating chocolate, giving up swearing as if, giving up meat, 
And this prophet pops up with, while you were fasting through prayer, my heart was warm to know that you were thinking about me so strongly and that you were striving to be intimate and close to me. But now I have opened my eyes to see that the food you were avoiding during your fast has gone to waste. You haven't even fed the widow or the orphan, and now I see that your desire to be intimate with me has excluded those around you. And so, I'm sorry, but I'm breaking up with you. I've changed what I want in this relationship. It's not you, though. It's me. I've changed my mind. How beautifully you pray is not what makes this relationship important to me. I thought it was, but it's not. How well you fast, how strong you strongly you love me is not enough. It's not about you loving me. In fact, it's not about you at all. It is in this and every season about being mindful of the other. Or penitence is about being sorry for the places where we ignored, have ignored God's call to be attentive to and for the other who struggles to know God because all they know is hunger, all they know is thirst, disease, the loneliness that the people of God could take care of, and yet the people of God do not. Convinced that what God wants is our piety and our worship alone, we wait. And as we begin Lent, we carry the mark of ashes with us as a mark of our responsibility to and for all the mere humans struggling in inhumane conditions where justice seems a reality only for privileged others, perhaps such as us. Matthew 6, beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your face, oil on your head, and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Do not store up yourself, 
Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, and where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A word of God that is still speaking. Thanks be to God. Amen. I must confess to you all that Ash Wednesday is one of my favorite holidays. Now, even as a pastor, I know that's weird. It's weird. But I find so much freedom and liberation in our story on this day. Let me tell you why. It starts with the fact I think we have it all wrong about dust and about ash. We think of it as the end of something, reduced to dust, burnt down to ash. But ash and dust, they're really a beginning. When forest fires blaze without human intervention, they raise the whole forest, and it's like a reset for all of the permaculture. And ash has tons of nutrients necessary that make it good for fertile plant life to begin again. Many gardeners know that mixing wood ash into your soil helps your plants grow and flourish. Ash is crucial to life cycles beginning, and perhaps it's crucial for our own new beginnings. After all, we too, are made of ash and dust. To geek out for a moment with you, come with me to science land. It's one of my favorite places. What we currently understand to be true is that there's only a finite amount of atoms in the universe. A finite amount, right? There's only a limited amount from the beginning of time. There's only so many in our observable universe. Now we're learning more every day. So between the Big Bang, right, the star exploding, and I would add God's creative handiwork, there is one set amount of atoms, elements that are all interconnected, reused, woven together throughout all of time to make new life. And in Genesis we learn that God breathed into the very dust, and life came into being. Dust again was the beginning. For us too, it is the beginning. We take this understanding and name that we too are made of this God-breathed stardust, and in doing so, we claim our mortality. Many of us find this scary frightening. I mean, I know I do, and I think that's okay. I also love this day and the freedom it offers because of that, because we face our mortality. We tend to think of mortality meaning the death and the pain, but we forget that God offers us the journey of the life within our mortality. 
I am this one unique combination of atoms from stars and dinosaurs and oceans and my and your ancestors in this particular configuration, in this particular time and place imbued with the spark of the divine. And so are you. And one day, like all life, I will return to dust and God will rearrange these atoms. The same will happen with you. That means I have now. I have this lifetime. You have now. You have this lifetime. Do I want to spend it hating the way God arranged my atoms? Do I want to spend it hating the way God arranged someone else's atoms? Is that what I want to do with this one wild and precious life, as Mary Oliver would say? We are not God. We do not get forever, at least in this form. We do not have to fix everything. We do not have to fix everyone. We don't even need to see the world as a problem to be solved. In our scripture in Matthew, Jesus invites us into a kind of practice, and I say practice and mean it, practice of love that is for love's sake. Not to be seen or perceived as holy, but simply to act in love. Jesus is saying, friends, do you not remember? God made you and said you were very good, so why, why do you perform and pretend for one another? Acting as if you were good. Friends, be the good I already made you. And so giving alms and praying to our creator and fasting, removing that which does not serve me or God. Friends, those seem like great places to reset my own little forest fire I've got going on with a little ash so that new life can grow in me, aligned with who God might want me to be. Because for however much time I have here, I want it to be about the kind of love that breathes life into dirt and dust and delights in the magic that happens. And I need to be reminded of that physically, literally, yearly with a cross of ash on my head. That cross reminds me at the end of my day with every other trivial thing I let take up space in my head and I assure you, there's a lot. What's on my head is the reminder of what I want to be about. Someone who loves without needing a trumpet to sound of affirmation so everyone knows. Maybe you need that reminder too. That even as stardust as old as the universe, sometimes we get in our own way of that love, of loving ourselves of loving each other, loving God. So let today be a reminder that being mortal is actually a miracle of that love. God arranged atoms specifically in you because the world needed you. And although we are merely flesh and bone and fire and love and dust, there is redemption and rebirth just waiting to happen. May it be so. Amen. Well, welcome to a special episode of 
It simply isn't done. This is the Lent edition. The Ash Wednesday kickoff. The Ashentine's Day wrap-up. Yep, yep. Um, if you listened yesterday, or if you are about to, uh, my voice was probably pretty similar. So it is Jess. I am here. And um, this is what I sound like. And we're going to record a podcast. And it'll be good. But you're not ill. You're, you've lost your voice. God willing, yeah. I mean, you feel all right? Yeah. yeah that's good. <laughs> Everybody send Jess a card. No, thank you, though. I appreciate it. <laughs> so there were two scriptures, two homilies. Uh, Barry and I like doing that on, on special occasions. Homilites, and we had bells. For days. We had, we had new life, and mm-hmm. we had... Jess and Barry doing Dust in the Wind. <laughs> yeah, A I meditative, think... slow, broken voice version of Dust in the Wind. I want another chance at it sometimes. So we'll have to bring it About back. right now. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, um, listen uh, to what you need to. If you already have, find us in the next half for some reflection. Welcome back. So, Barry, you preached first. Yes. Yeah. Isaiah 58. It, and that was a honking scripture. It was a You know, it was only 12 verses, but it seemed like it was going to go on forever. They packed a lot into those 12. Packed a lot into them. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's, it's poetry. It's um, weird English translation from the Hebrew poetry, but at the 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 bottom line that I was playing with was this kind of flip that God does, you know, that, that the people were quite convinced that this was all about. Yeah, the people were quite convinced it was all about worship and sacrifice and uh and God flips it in through the prophet Isaiah. And basically says, you know, that's all very nice, um, but it's really not what I'm interested in. I'm really interested in how you live in the world, um, how you you benefit people who are struggling in one way or the other. Um, And a a colleague who is now an administrator for Pilgrim Press, uh, I liked I liked her take on it, which said it was a it was a, a a breakup letter from God saying. It's really not me, or it's really not you, it's me. Um, you know, you, you got this right, but I'm really looking at the, at the world while I'm listening to you and watching you and smelling you do worship and seeing that your worship's not making any difference uh, in how you, you treat people in the world. Yeah. That was intense. I liked the breakup letter. I thought that was fun. Yeah. On Valentine's too. Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you struggle finding the balance between saying, hey, here we are to worship and get ashes, and yep. God says none of that matters? <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. And because, and it's tough because it, it's not that God said none of, none of that matters. It's that none of that matters if we're not paying attention to the other things. Yeah, if, if, it is not, if we don't let ourselves be fed by it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if it's not motivating us to change lives, then... You know, it's it, then then we think it's for God who doesn't need anything. Mm-hmm. 
So how about you and your scripture? Yeah, I had the I had the traditional Ash Wednesday scripture that we hear almost every year from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, where Jesus uh, says, "Hey, don't be don't be overly pious. Don't go through all these practices just for recognition." Again, it's a tough one on Ash Wednesday when we're all gathered together, and 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 I will say that our that as far as Ash Wednesday goes, we had a we had a pretty good group and a longer than usual service. Yeah. For Ash Wednesday, it was lovely worship. When um, I heard feedback that was like, this was a really more meaningful than other Ash Wednesday experiences, um, and other in other spaces as well, because oftentimes I think some we treat Ash Wednesday like a kind of like let's get it done. A little perfunctory. Yeah. Like come on. Get your ashes, like, let's, you know, let's start. <laughs> Get your ash in here. and well, <laughs> Yes. Or out here. Or out here. Yeah, um, I'm really compelled by the idea, obviously, of, of ash as the beginning. And I shared, I, I love, I love Lent and I love Ash Wednesday and um, Holy Week generally. I find them really moving. And it's, it's always disappointing when folks don't kind of take the opportunity to participate um, but like, like you said last night, we actually had quite a few folks that kind of needed, um, needed that sort of space. I also think, um, you know, we as Protestants, we have an interesting relationship with Lent and Ash Wednesday. Um, we didn't, you know, Methodists, we didn't really have Ash Wednesday service in our book of worship for a really long time. It's relatively recent, uh, for fear of being, you know, quote unquote, too Catholic. Papist. Yeah. Whoa. How horrible. Um, and I think, um, like with a lot of traditions, uh, Catholics that had done it and, and other traditions where they have Ash Wednesday, the focus is very much on um, aligning your penitent suffering with that of Christ. Right? That's, that's a spin that the pews people will take. I don't know that that's what's being said. It might be. But that's kind of how it's culturally viewed. And, you know, let's give up something for 40 days. And in that giving up, we might remember Christ more. I, many people I know kind of use it as like a weird kickstart to their diet. I'm like, that doesn't really feel, <laughs> you know, in line with what we're really being called to do. And I question if God wants us to take on suffering. Because to, to be a human is to occasionally suffer. I think there's enough suffering in the world. I'm not sure God asks us to take on additional suffering. So I I have thoughts about that. I don't know that I'm of one mind, but when we were planning this, I was kind of thinking, okay, well, what what, what might we need to hear? And that this ash can be a beginning. And like I said, I find Lent so, and Ash Wednesday, really freeing. Um, being mortal is all I got. You know, it's, it's nice to give up the idolatry of thinking we're God. And that yeah. we can do more. Well, it's part of what I appreciated about the combining of the two scriptures and the two homilites. Um, it's not that God wants us to give up worship or ritual Mm-mm. or or personal piety, uh, but does want us to be very clear that that 
those are jumping off points for social holiness. And if we're not, you know, to, to do the John Wesley thing of personal piety and social holiness, so if, if we are not being mindful um, of, of how this manifests, manifests itself, this, this growth in, in our relationship with Christ, if, if that is man, not made manifest in how we are living in and for the world, then you know we need to we need to pull ourselves up short and, and do some contemplative work around that, which is what Latin writes us to do. Yeah. Yeah. This year, I feel much more compelled um, by instead of making kind of drastic, sacrificial fasting changes, but thinking through what could I do incrementally that I might be able to sustain after Easter. What might be a good practice that I could build in that doesn't feel like a huge market jolt or shift I was thinking that this morning as I was eating my fourth punchki in two days you know <laughs> how can I live a, a, a fuller more faithful existence I mean I joke but I mean essentially there's all kinds of gluttony that I'm that I'm a part of in the world and uh, that that is ultimately not helpful uh, on balance for the the good of the world moving forward yeah and I think too um, the way that food has gotten wrapped into Lent I, I am suspicious of I don't like that um, for some folks I think it might be helpful in my experience it often triggers a lot of disordered eating and body dysmorphia mm-hmm. and um, so in the Methodist tradition we rarely call for food fast at least here in the north <laughs> I know some of our Southern jurisdiction colleagues do it a little differently, um, and probably other spaces up here too. But if we're really thinking about a meaningful fast and the purpose isn't to suffer, then what do we need to remove such that we can make more space for God? And I, I don't feel pressure to have that all figured out by Ash Wednesday. I'm still kind of thinking about or it. Or in life, <laughs> yeah. perhaps at all. Yeah, you know, and, and it's and and it's the the fast is for making space for other things, um, and I really heard Isaiah fifty eight being um, a cautionary tale to make sure that we're living lives that are making space for others, generally, mm-hmm. not just within ourselves for other uh, space for God in a in a in a pious sense, but how are we making space for others in the world? Yeah. Whereas I think the Matthaean scripture was more about the individual personal mm-hmm. piety, um, but it but it doesn't not relate to others, right? Right. Sure. There's, um, you know, I, um, my dad had a phrase growing up like don't don't just talk about it, like be about it, and that's really what I heard Jesus saying, like don't you know, why why pretend to be religious? Just be religious. Like why <laughs> why make a show of pretending to be something when you could just be? Why pretend to be good when I made you as good? Um, and it, I think that's really poignant, and we need to be reminded of that, or, or I do. And I'm obviously just compelled by ash and dust and, you know, the finite amount of atoms we have and how they get reconfigured. And that will change, I think, in my lifetime because we're discovering other universes, and I'm not sure what that means scientifically. But for now, it's kind of fun. It's fun to think about. It is. <laughs> Now, my mind was just going to uh, that Sermon on the Mountain, the, 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 that you know, longest of Jesus' teachings. Um, 
it is about the person, but it's also about the the manifestation of the collective in the world. So it's about my individually being salt of the earth, sure, but it's also about us collectively as people people of faith being salt of the earth to be light of the world, which is a rev- which was a revolutionary thing because it was the prophets that called the Jewish nation uh, to be the light of the world. Um, so Jesus now now calls this little assembly, maybe not so little assembly on, on Galilee, to that same standard. And I wonder all these years later how, how much we are truly being light to the world. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that is a fair and a good pondering as we start Lent for Ash Wednesday. All right. So we've got Lent coming up with a whole new series. Unhurried. Where we consider what it means to slow down and make some of those kind of smaller incremental changes that can sustain us and what it might be like to strive for this kind of balance that we've been talking about. How do we, how do we make Lent not just all about us? (laughs) Um, individually but how do we how do we make space within ourselves uh, for loving others as well and barry's gonna preach on sunday woohoo let one i am and you know it's only thursday so you know (laughs) i don't know the fullness of what i'm preaching yet but you know we'll get there all will be revealed all will be revealed we'll see you then